What does it mean to be a mature Christian? What does it take? What are some of the traps that people fall into when they're trying to reach this goal? Is it even attainable? These are all things that we're going to be talking about today in Talking With Intention. Sweet. (laughs) I'm definitely going to use that. No! (laughs) Welcome to Talking With Intention, a Christian podcast about self-betterment through meaningful conversation. I'm Michael Collins. My co-host is Walter Somerville, and in every episode, we sit down to talk about something that we find meaningful or something that we're still trying to figure out. We're not experts. We just believe that life is better when we're intentional about it. I hope you love the show. Why I'm interested in this is just from my childhood growing up what my idea of a mature Christian was. And I think it was a negative thing. And I think I kind of got it wrong. And I think that's why I'm interested in figuring out, okay, what exactly is a mature Christian? Yeah. You know, something you mentioned to me um, when we were talking about this was (laughs) the coffee shop Christian, yeah, <laughs> the guy or girl sitting in the coffee shop doing does their devotions, yes, or maybe draws a really pretty picture in their Bible and then takes a picture of it and then leaves. Have you seen these? <laughs> I haven't seen these. Uh, you're not on Instagram, are you? No, no, no. Yeah, there's, I, I'm, I'm, you know, so it's it's really gorgeous artwork for a lot, you know. So I'm not trying to bash on it too much. It's just, <laughs> just. I've bit. heard people make jokes about people go to a coffee shop, draw out their write their devotion but really it's just like calligraphy with the words in their bible and then take a photo of it for instagram and then they're done they're not actually studying anything (laughs) which i mean there's probably something to that for people who are artistic just maybe we aren't those people (laughs) but i but the idea we're getting at is this kind of very vanilla and almost as ordinary person as you can be like for me, I'm thinking especially like my youth group years and trying to figure out how to be a good Christian. And yeah. the the image that I got was just like to be a mature Christian, I need to be the most boring person I can be. Unfortunately, is how I ge- how it genuinely seemed like yeah. that's how, what all the good Christians in the church kind of look like. They're really boring. They never do or say anything that extreme in any direction it's pretty bland uh is kind of the impression i got growing up i don't know if maybe i'm the only one that had that i don't know if you've felt that at any point yeah you know i definitely remember going through a time when i was a kid of trying to be the best (laughs) i have to say be the best christian i can because i'm still trying to be the best christian i can but trying to be recognized as more mature than the other kids in my youth group by doing certain and saying certain things and it was almost there was another kid that was doing the same thing and i knew it because we were like we were like best friends but also competing with each other and we were the only two kids who like carried our bible to church every day which that's another thing this is completely random but i never understood why people bring their bible to church because is that not the only place that you really don't need it 
and I mean, anyway, the, I'll probably cut that out. That's a whole other thing. But, that you know, people like to look up the verse, you know, the pastor says a verse and you look it up, but you know that he's about to read the verse anyway. That'll be a real good clickbait title. Why you shouldn't bring your Bible to church. <laughs> yes. People are going to either love it or hate it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I remember having this, me and this kid were the only two that brought our Bibles to church and yeah. highlight, filling that thing with highlighters. Like yeah. the more highlighter I had in my Bible, <laughs> the more, the better Christian I Highlight was. the whole page. Yes. That's a good one. Yep. That's also a good one. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And when I think of maturity, uh, especially thinking about Christian, you know, there's a bunch of Bible verses that talk about maturity that we'll get into, but there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I always think of when anytime maturity comes up and it's him talking not about Christianity, but talking about fairy tales, because he loves fairy tales. You know, he loved them ever since he was a kid. And there's a quote from him that says something like, one day you'll be old enough to read fairy tales again. And the point that he's getting at, and I don't remember where it came from, but I remember the rest of that paragraph that he was writing at, or writing. And uh, uh, he's talking about how when you're a kid, you know, at a certain point, you stop reading fairy tales because they're childish and you want to read more adult and grown-up books and nonfiction because you want to grow up and you want to be seen as an adult, right? And then he, some Lewis says some people never grow out of that and then some people reach a point where they have grown up and they're old enough and then they realize it doesn't matter what they read. Hmm. You know, it's like why you can enjoy it. You can you enjoy, enjoy whatever you enjoy. You don't need to worry about w- whether or not this book that you're reading is um, something a mature adult would read or not. If you are a mature adult, then it is something that a mature adult would read, right? And he's not knocking this fact that children give up fairy tales at some point. He says that it is, it, it's good because they're trying to grow up, right? It's better than a kid who just says, "No, I never want to grow up. I want is it in, they're intentionally trying to act and imitate adults." And the way that they view adults, which is almost never completely accurate, um, you know, in whatever lens they see, okay, if they see something like this is what an adult would do, then they want to do that, right? And it can be annoying sometimes. I don't know if you've ever had that kid trying to act older than they are and it's like, okay, just relax, you know, but that's part of being a kid. That's part of growing up is trying to grow up. And eventually you grow up, you mature and you grow out of that and you realize, okay, I can do whatever is interesting to me. I don't have to pretend to be older than I am. Yeah, and I, I think the correlation here to like mature Christian and spiritual maturity is kind of what you're saying about the obnoxious stage of you're trying to be more mature than you actually are. And yes. r- really, for a Christian, that's the, it's kind of prideful, I think, mm-hmm. which we've talked about lots of things are. But the whole competition you're talking about with your friend, you know, you know, I think we kind of get stray away from the point of what is actual spiritual maturity. So, you know, we've got a, a bunch of great verses. Maybe we should we should start with some of those just to get our footing under us. Well, I was something else I wanted to say with this idea of trying to be, trying to grow up. You know, as a, from a Christian perspective, we're trying to become more like Christ, right? Like that's our ultimate goal. And so, I mean, I think if you're looking at a mature Christian, like a perfect Christian, right, would be perfectly mature and would be perfectly like Christ, 
right? So with anything good related to Christianity, the goal, the answer is always just going to be trying to be as similar to Christ as you possibly can, right? Which is true, but it also is not very specific when we're trying to talk about one exact, like maturity specifically, I guess. Um, so I do want to get into the other verses, but. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a that's a good direction to head with it. You know, what does maturity look like? Well, in some way or another, it looks like Christ. You know, he was perfectly mature. Um, but, you know, we need some more specific ways to understand that, I think. First yeah. Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, he says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now we get to the famous verse, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, and that's a famous verse. This whole section where he's talking about love is amazingly powerful, but... This idea of when I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, acted like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And he talks about now we see partly, then we'll know fully. And I think that sounds, when did it have the word perfect in there? No, he says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Yeah. To me, that seems like it's talking about when we have our heavenly bodies and we're, you know, we're no longer on this physical earth either when Jesus comes back or when we die and we're there in person, right? Um, I think that's perfect maturity is when we've, I need to backtrack a lot here. There's a lot of complicated things I know. It's like you don't want to say the wrong thing because it's a complicated verse, but he's talking about, it seems to me that he's talking about now we, we don't have the whole picture yet. One day we will, when we are with Christ, when he comes back, when we have that relationship, his, the prophecies fulfilled, we'll understand everything completely then. Yeah. Now we only have part of the picture. We see into this mirror dimly, but then we will know fully as we've been fully known. Right, to be and, made fully perfect, which there's two different things I mean here, because our spirit is already perfect. If we've accepted the forgiveness offered by the gospel— and Jesus dying on the cross, our spirit is already perfectly mature, perfectly Christ, perfectly Christ-like, perfect. It doesn't have to grow or mature anymore beyond that, right? It's already there. And so what we're talking about then is our actions still as a human, right? Still very flawed. And so that's that's what we call sanctification, which is throughout our lives— becoming more and more, making our actions more and more like Christ. Yeah, and, and our understanding, our knowledge, yeah. you know, and which is something that we can't even understand everything completely, which yeah. is, I feel like, what partially what Paul's getting at. And that's also something that, at least for me, when I think about spiritual maturity, I, I try to think about when I was a kid looking up to people in the church. What did I think that they experienced? What did I think that their understanding was Versus what do I think it is now and what is mine as an adult, you know? And that's the thing. When you're a kid, 
you look up at adults, it's like, oh, you know, they have all the answers. They understand everything completely, you know? And this is Paul saying, no, I don't yeah. I don't know fully. <clears throat> then now I, I don't know. Yeah. But I will one day. Right. right. Which I which is one of the biggest things I wanted to to get to was that nobody is spiritually mature. Yeah. Right. Nobody reaches perfection in this life. Right. It says, you know, that we've all fallen and we're still all working towards sanctification, but it's not going to happen until the day of Jesus Christ. And so a mature Christian is just somebody who's further along in the in the process yes. of becoming more and more until we're completely like Christ. Yeah. Um, so the, the, it's not like they've reached the goal mm-hmm. of maturity. It's just they're further along this path, um, which I think is something you realize as you know as you hit your teenage years. You realize that these people that you've been looking up to you know i think probably the first one is at least for me you know as you realize your dad is not perfect and you're like the first time you realize that is a pretty big moment um but it's something you realize throughout your teenage years that these people you've been looking up to in the church and anything you realize they're not perfect and the and i think it's good that you realize that and to accept that especially in a christian community to realize hey even the mature Christians in the church, the mature Christians around you, the people you look up to most, are still working towards trying to be righteous, yeah. trying to be holy. It's not like you reach it one day and you're done. It's constantly striving to be more like Christ, right? It's, well, you don't reach it in t- well, until well, you do. Until you do, right? Well, I, yeah, I mean, in your life yeah, here. Yeah, not, not in our life here. <laughs> One day you will. That's the whole <laughs> promise. That's the pr- point. But which is pretty wild. That, but uh, it's a lot to as think about. As far as what we apply to our living our lives yeah. here today, um, it, don't ever think that you've got it. Yeah. Right. Because everybody's still trying to get more mature, which is a good thing to yeah. be always growing. Don't take this as like I would be tempted myself to just kind of say, "Well, if I'm never going to reach." maturity here on earth why why even move towards it why work on my spiritual discipline and my spiritual maturity why even do that but it's not a checklist that we're going through spiritual maturity got to check that off right it's a relationship and so that's where the growth comes in the goal is maybe not even spiritual maturity this is kind of something we talked about in the last one. The goal is a relationship with Christ. And out of that healthy relationship with Christ, I think, comes sanctification and growing in your maturity. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a relationship. It's the relationship. It's the only thing that really matters, right? It's an ongoing process, and it, it's worth striving after right it's worth pursuing this relationship with god and that's the thing we, when we compare ourselves to others because this maturity concept of what's a mature christian it's all relative right when you're around christians who are less mature than you who you know maybe they don't have as much of an understanding of scripture or they just recently have started a relationship with christ you know this this whole concept is new to them you know, then you feel mature. Yeah. You feel like the 
teacher. You feel like the rabbi and not the disciple. Yeah. Whereas when maybe you're with your pastor or your professor or, or whoever, you don't feel as like you know anything. You know, you feel like a little kid who's trying to learn, right? And I think this is, it's good. It's good both to be able to be humble enough to learn from somebody and not think that you are the most mature, have the most understanding, you know, best Christian that you know. And it's also good to understand, you know, to be willing to teach other people. Yeah, from right? what you do know, from not what you ever do, do, presuming do. that you know it <laughs> do all. Know. <laughs> what you yes. do do. What you do do. Yes, <laughs> but not assuming that you know it all, but yeah. sh- sharing with them your experiences and your understanding and scripture the way you see it and helping them to understand, answering questions in the best way you possibly can, you know. And this is where uh, it makes me think, I want to read the Bible verse where it talks about milk and meat. Um, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let us, or therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washing. Um... Yeah, so the laying on, and he goes on to list all these other things, but yeah, and basically saying, you know, he, this has already been taught to these people, right? And this is how I feel, you know, some of the church services that I've been to recently, I've come out of them feeling like, man, you know, can we not do something a little bit more than this? <laughs> like, you it just feels new. like the stuff that I learned in you know, kids' church, just over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, we need to, like I was saying, we need to learn how to disciple, be discipled by our pastor or whoever and learn and constantly be growing and then also go out and apply this and try to share it with others and teach it to others. And But me moving up and not just show up on Sunday, get one of the same 10 basic lessons rewashed and fed to us again you know and then go home and and do it all again the next week like let's dig deeper and get into the meat right yeah which not to say that the meat is i mean it's both the most incredible mystery and also the simplest thing right the gospel is the meat of the bible and you don't have to be this is crazy you don't have to be a bible scholar and spend your life studying it to get the message of the gospel. Yeah. It's that, I mean, in my non-scholarly opinion, that's what the milk is, you know, when mm-hmm. we were talking about... The milk is infants. the most important part. It's the gospel, right? right? It's the, that's the most important part that everybody at least needs. But I don't want to just have that repeated to, you know, to me over and over. Like, can we, we understand this? Do we not understand this already? Yeah, you and know? I wonder if... I wonder if growing beyond that isn't necessary. Well, it's maybe more importantly than just 
going into the hermeneutics and studying the the Greek and the the Hebrew words, but maybe going into depth more is learning more and more how to live it out, how to practice it, and yeah. making it more uh, less taking in and more giving out, acting it out. We've learned, taken it in already. We've learned, we've consumed the gospel. Now, how does that play out in our lives? How do we live out the gospel? And I wonder if that's the, you know, those next steps that we're kind of talking about of a mature Christian. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like if you go out and you uh, try your best to apply it and live it out and make it your main purpose, you know, and not just a side project type of thing, then it will naturally lead you into more deeper and deeper questions and study because you'll encounter situations that you weren't expecting and things that you didn't quite under you thought you understood and you realized you didn't because you only had the milk the basic understanding and that'll lead to your into your desire for, for more yeah going back to that verse you just read you know i'm trying to think up attributes of a mature christian um and one of the cool things in that verse is it says it's the power to discern between good and evil yes. and so there's maybe the first attribute of a mature Christian is the ability to discern between good and evil, which is, it's interesting that that's, I mean, it's something that we have naturally in us, but I think it does need to be honed. I think that's kind of a discipline. And discerning good teaching from bad teaching. That's, I kind of, that's, I don't know. You know, I feel like the verse is talking about more than that, but that's just the first thing that my mind went to. And part of that is reading the Bible for yourself. You know, I've been in lectures where I've seen people, you know, or church services even, you know, sometimes one person will say something and then contradict themselves five minutes later and people just clapping right along with it the whole time. Or one speaker gets up and preaches the gospel one way and then the next and the next speaker the next day or later that night comes up and says something that's contradictory to the and both of them are just like people just eating it up just like yeah and it's like think i don't know to me it's just and i think that's thinking for yourself i guess yeah i think that's one of the reasons why it is really beneficial to bring your bible to church even though the pastor provides the the verses and everything if you you have the truth in your lap you can be checking things out and sometimes i've found that when i'm in church with my bible i go down a completely different path of reading and i get i am super engaged and loving it but it's a you know you're I'm not going paying down, attention to the pastor yeah he, something just, he says he triggered sparks something. something and then i can i've got the bible right there and i yeah. can follow it along and find interesting stuff yeah, and, I've done the same thing. And so that's some of the most meaningful times from church, actually, is just being there ready to receive and ready to learn something. And, you know, whatever God's speaking to your heart, it might be different from exactly what the pastor is speaking. But having the Bible there, you can you can go after it and look for it on your own, which is really, really cool. That's, you know, the whole point of the Reformation that happened is now we can do it on it's, our own. You have access to it. Mm-hmm. You have it on your phone probably, yeah. you know? And I don't this is one thing too. I don't know if anybody isn't aware of this already, but you can get Strong's concordance on your phone. Do you have this, Walter? You know what I'm talking about though? Yeah. 
on the Olive Tree Bible app, I've got it, and it's incredible because, you know, you can look into the original Greek and Hebrew translations of almost every single word and see what other verses that word is, where else in the Bible that specific word is translated and what is it translated to and what's the original definition and everything. And it helps you kind of get a more scholarly study in and just answer some questions about some of the confusing verses in the Bible, you know, and it's just, it's so important to study the Bible for ourselves because you the more you read it the more you know it and the more you know it the more you can recognize when somebody what somebody is teaching lines up with what the bible says and when it doesn't and you know there's something i heard a quote i heard a quote once no idea who said it or where it came from but i remember it was something like if you a pastor says something that offends you or upsets you it's good because one of two things is happening. Either he's wrong and you picked up on that, which is good because you are able to pick up on that and you can, you know, share that with other people. Um, or two, he said something that you need to, you're not doing right. He's called you out on something or it's rubbed you the wrong way because you are in the wrong, you know? And we have to have the humility to not want to study the Bible to prove ourselves right, but to study the Bible to find out what's true. And that's the most important parts to study is where you are wrong. Yeah. That's the part that you most need to study. That's why it's such a hard thing. The, your desire should not be to win the argument if you're wrong, right? I guess you you're just because you might be wrong. You you're don't not a perfect win person. If you're wrong. You don't want to win if you're wrong. You're not helping yourself. Then yeah, you want to find out what's true. You're going after what's true. Another verse here. This is in Ephesians four. It's a bit long, and I'm trying to find the best place to start it. It's talking about Jesus. He descended and is the one who also ascended far above the heavens and. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and knowledge to the Son of God. And here's the maturity part. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So before I go on there, that's what maturity is. It's the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So perfection is what spiritual maturity should be. And that goes back to what we were saying about there is no mature Christian, no perfectly mature Christian. It's all working towards the stature of Christ, right? The the example that, that Jesus led while he was on earth. And so everybody's immature in comparison. We're all working towards it, which... I wonder if that's one of the things that I was picking up on as a kid when I felt like they were just boring, bland people. I, d- I don't want to be judgmental, but I wonder if we, if I was picking up on people kind of faking it, trying yeah. to look like mature Christians, and yeah. it wasn't a very authentic or genuine representation. Um, but it goes on here, and this gets into more attributes of a mature Christian. So we started out with... Uh, being able to discern between good and evil. Um, so to ma- 
calling us to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves or carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful screams, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. You know, that that right there just seems to sum up a lot of what we've already just been saying. Study the Bible for yourself so you understand and you aren't swayed by false teaching and doctrine and by people who can speak really well and pursue the relationship with Christ, right? That's because that's the most important thing. That's if you want to be a mature Christian, you're constantly just seeking after God, number one. I think that goes hand in hand with having discernment of what's what's true and what's right and then also this part about speaking the truth in love that's like especially here in the south i feel like that just simple phrase of speaking speaking the truth in love it brings the perfect balance because the truth can be really really harsh truth can be hard and but if you love somebody, you don't want to lie to them. And so finding the balance there between both of, you know, saying things that are true and helpful, that's how we... And yeah, not using the fact that what you're telling somebody is true as an excuse to say it as a way, I guess, you're not wielding the truth as a weapon to wound somebody, if that makes sense. You know, because people can, I've, you know, Christians can argue out and fight with each other and with atheists and with people who see the world differently than they do and they can use the bible verses and things that are technically true but they can use it in a way that hurts people and it you know and it's not said with love it's not the per you know you have to show the person and that you're telling them that they are wrong or that this is the you know they're sharing the truth with them because you care about them, not because you want them to be miserable or you want to hurt them. And part of that is not losing your cool and loving them even if they lose their mind and start screaming at you, you know? Coming into this, I was trying to think about my current examples of mature Christians. And I think it's, you know, both your dad and my dad, I guess. Yeah. They're both my dads now. but. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Walter married my sister. Yeah, if, uh, you're new to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and both of them, you know, before we talked about all these attributes of a mature Christian, what I was coming up with was just the way they handled love, and the way it came up in their relationships was like the number one thing that made me think of them as mature Christians, and and I know you know they are also have so many other things. They study the Bible hard. They they know lots of different things. But to me, what stood out the most as these are the mature Christians in my life that I look up to is the way they handle love and the way it's apparent, it's genuine. And it doesn't feel and is not a front or anything, genuine love to the people around them. It's mostly most of what made me think of them as mature Christians was their relationships with other people, I think is one of the biggest ways we can be aware of our own spiritual maturity too. And I've said this before in other podcasts, it can be really hard to 
try to figure out our relationship with God and to think of it on its own. But it shouldn't. I think our relationship with God and our relationship with other people is are really closely tied together. I mean, that's what Jesus says, right? If you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Yeah. Right? And I think that's of such value to us as humans who are pretty limited in our understanding of anything as infinite and unknowable as God to be able to instead focus on the people around us and how we relate with them. You know, we get all these amazing metaphors in the Bible, which is, it's exactly that. It's in a way we can understand. And so the maturity with which, you know, my dad and your dad handled love is what made me think of them as, as mature Christians and why I look up to them a lot. So, yeah. And what you're, you're saying is reminded me of the first verse that we read in First Corinthians 13. I mean, that's Paul's talking about love. Yeah. And I realized I probably shouldn't have skipped over the parts that I did. Um, <laughs> or you should have or, until now. And, or, yeah, I was just saving. I knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> You're a mature Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Let me read what I read already once so we're reminded. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the the greatest of these is love, right? And and r- so right before he gets to all of this, he's talking about, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And he goes on to list all of these powerful things, pr- prophecy, uh, faith, you know, good things martyrdom and he says if i have any of these things without love it's worthless right it's really about the love if you want to be a mature christian if you want to be like christ you love him that's what he says and love other people that's what jesus says is the most two important two most important commandments one love the lord your god and two, love your neighbor right that's it. Like, there's more in the Bible than that, but that is, that's the most important thing. If you can do that, then other things follow, right? And yeah, it's it's not about being the smartest. It's not about having the most understanding. It's not about having the most faith because all of those things, if you do those things without love, you're not helping anybody. You know, like I was saying, wielding the truth is a weapon. If you go to somebody and tell them that they need to come to Christ and the way they're living is wrong, but you do it in a way that hurts them and makes them feel less than, then you and not out of love, then you are not accomplishing anything good, yeah. right? You have to show them that you actually care about them and you, you have to go to them out of love, not to embarrass them or condemn them. Yeah, which makes me think back to, you know, this idea of a boring, mature Christian. And I wonder if I was kind of thinking about focusing in, okay, a mature Christian reads their Bible. And so, you know, they got to be reading their Bible all the time. They study it scholarly. They got to be diving into the Greek all the time. That's, you know, okay, that's something. They also spend a lot of time in prayer and all these things. And to look at it from that perspective, man, it sounds like a really boring person, but if the heart of it is how we love, that can show up in 
all areas of life. And so I, like just for myself to change the, the image in my head of what a mature Christian looks like to be fun and engaging and somebody who draws people in. Yeah, and loves them. And loves them well, right? To speak the truth in love. That can be, it can be a different thing. It can be somebody who's wild and crazy, who's, you know, I don't know how to put, you know, this shift in my mind between the boring mature Christian and somebody who might pick a food fight with you or, you know, something that, in real life, I can tie it to is thinking about uh, the men's group, The Forge, which shout out to them. Yeah, but, shout out to the, they've got their own podcast, yeah, too. Yeah, super cool. I don't remember what it's called. Something about The Forge podcast. If you Google The Forge, yeah, I bet you could probably find it, maybe. I and we, we I'll went, try to link it in the description. Yeah, we went and visited them. We went to the, one of their men's groups. And a bunch of solid, super solid guys over there. None of them perfect Christians, for sure. No one is. But I love what really impacted me from there was just this kind of goofy, childlike atmosphere. And it kind of shocked me. Yeah. When we walked in, they shot us with Nerf guns. Yeah, exactly. It was super fun. <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, but it shocked me a little bit because I was looking at these guys, you know, and they all had beards and they're manly men and, you know, men of the church. And I was expecting in my head this boring, mature Christian. And we're all going to sit around and be very serious yeah. now as we have our men's group. And not to say that there wasn't an aspect of that, but man, the playfulness and just the spontaneity, it was so much more, it was fun. And I think that's what I'm getting at. That can be what a mature Christian looks like. They were blowing up pumpkins this weekend. I was like, what a better way to represent Christianity. You know, if a mature, if Christianity is what we're trying, Christ is what we're trying to represent to the world. A mature Christian should not be a boring thing that puts people off. It should be something that draws people in. I think it's the differences, and I mean, it just like with regular maturity, when a kid grows up, they gain the social awareness to know when is a good time to play and when is it time to be serious and still, right? And you're talking about mature Christian, your view was kind of boring, right? Somebody who's always serious and still and doesn't really go crazy. And, you know, it, which sometimes that's what it calls for. And sometimes it needs crazy and goofy and having fun. And yeah. the secret is just to do it everything out of love. Yeah. Let all that you do be done out of love, right? And if love's at the heart of it, it's tough to go wrong. <laughs> yeah. But like what a eye-opening thing that you know, you can shoot somebody with a Nerf gun yeah. with love and it can be just as impactful, you know, as something super serious. Um it opens up life really. I feel like wow. That's what abundant life looks like. I think part of sorry, I just had this thought. Go for it. I want to share I think a big part of it in this, especially when it comes to growing up and being mature, is humility and not needing to have other people look at you as mature, which is goes all the way back to when I was talking about reading fairy tales, that C.S. Lewis quote at the beginning, right? In that, you know, somebody who wants to be seen as the mature Christian that other people can look up to and learn from, someone who only wants to be seen as that teacher, right, would probably not be 
goofing off, sh- shooting people with Nerf guns, yeah. blowing up pumpkins, doing crazy fun stuff just for fun, right? Yeah. You have to let go of that of that pride and just be build that relationship. A lot of this is reminding me of the last ap- episode we did on reaching agnostics where we talk about the relationship that you build with somebody, right? Do it out of love and be the be their friend and be loving and don't worry about them seeing you as this wise man on the mountain. Yeah. Your maturity has to grow past the point where you're focused on your maturity. Exactly. And it's, yeah, going back to that childlike thing, like you were saying with the fairy tales. You grow past the point where you feel like you can't read fairy tales and you come back to, you know, some of the fun and joy of reading fairy tales. Same thing with the Christian. You know, I think we reach a point where we become aware of, you know, we're growing up as Christians and we've become more mature. And I think just about everybody falls into the trap for a little bit of, you know, trying to appear more mature. And, you know, just like you were saying, you start bringing your Bible and kind of showing off a little bit. Trying to make sure everybody sees how much you got highlighted. Yeah, but hopefully to grow past that and make it no longer about the the appearance of maturity, but just about the love, speaking the truth in love and letting everything you do be out of love, regardless of if it's something that a mature Christian would do. Because if you're doing it out of love, it is something that a mature Christian would do. Exactly. It's funny. You talk, remind me of bringing the Bible to church, and which I still do. It's just in my pocket now, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, something that was so important. Uh, this there were more factors to that that were very important to me to be seen. Well, I remember when I was like nine, that to be seen as a mature Christian, I had to have all of these things, right? And not only did I need to have my Bible, but it needed to be in a case. Ooh, right? you had to have a Bible case. Oh, yeah, and then I needed to have at least one pen tucked into the little pen yes. holder in the Bible case. So that with means you're studying page. it. You're exactly. writing stuff down. That was the most important. Like, I, I don't even know if I would have brought my Bible if I didn't, if I couldn't <laughs> find my case. <laughs> That'd be just shameful. I, I know. I needed to have that case and that pen tucked into the side there. That was, that was what made it grown up and not yeah. a little kid. <laughs> That's so funny, but I feel like there's so many little things like that that we fall into doing just because it looks like something, yep. a real grown-up Christian would do, you know? Uh, I'm trying to think of The funny thing is my Bible case was made of plastic, and it was purple. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like a big fancy case. (laughs) Purple plastic Bible. Man, I think for me it was sitting at the front uh, in church, set dead center in the front. And I was, uh, I'm a tall guy now. I was tall then. And in Mexico, everybody's a lot shorter, so I stood out, man. I blocked probably 10 rows behind me, but I would go sit at the very front with some of my friends from the youth group there. And if I was going to be in church, I had to be at the very center front. And I think that was one of those things that was like, that's what all the mature Christians in the church did, so I got to be doing it when really it (laughs) does not matter where you sit in the church, you know what matters is being there for the people in the church and, you know, being part of the community, getting something from the message. Yeah. There's one other verse that I wanted to talk about 
because I, I share it with my, well, I, when I was a cabin director, I would share it with my, the kids in my cabin at camp every week. And, uh, I'll pull it up. First Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Right? And there's another thing, the difference, I guess, because a lot of the things that we've been talking about with Christian maturity can be also tied to just regular, you know, maturity in general. And something that might maybe is a little bit different is that it doesn't necessarily it isn't i I don't think your your spiritual maturity and your christian maturity is as tied to your age as you know just general maturity is you know you can just because you're younger than somebody does not mean that you can't set an example for them in in love and faith and purity right it's you just have to have humility to not think that you're you've attained spiritual maturity because none of us have because yeah. perfect maturity is coming eventually but nobody has it on this life and do we everything out of love yeah. that's what we're really just have come to i guess is it's all about love yeah and it also goes back to again something we talked about in the last episode which it was a great episode, definitely check it out, which was talking about just opening up in a Christian setting at some point, having the freedom to be authentic with questions and doubts that you have. That was one of the big things for Taylor, right, was that he didn't feel like he could really open up and say, hey, I'm not actually sure about this whole Christianity thing. I think a similar thing can happen with mature Christians, if if we felt a little bit more secure to say, hey, I'm not a perfectly mature Christian. I'm definitely still growing and still working on so much, you know, in my life. And I think the more we open up about stuff like that, the more we talk about it, the faster we do grow. That's kind of the paradox. The more you pretend that you've got it, the more you stop moving, you've stagnated. But if instead we could be a little bit more both humble and honest, I think are the two qualities that it would take to just say, well, I don't don't have it yet. I'm not, I haven't reached this point, you know? Maybe I, maybe I don't take my Bible to church every day. I'm not going to pretend that, that I'm actually sitting here, you know, scribbling stuff in my Bible furiously because I'm taking amazing notes. Let's be a little bit honest about it and and talk about it, you know, in, in the community, in the church. And then maybe if we talk about it, we can actually work towards it. And eventually you are, you know, you're getting so much out of the message that you're scribbling down notes faster than you can keep up. Yeah. I really was like in this ver- this little bit in Ephesians we talked, then it kind of summed up so much of what we were talking. Yeah, uh, I'm paraphrasing those introductory verses. We've been given apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, in our terms, pastors, um, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That's it. So that's what it looks like to be a mature Christian. I like it. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, If you did, be sure to go back and check out the other episodes. Uh, You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and everything else. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of links to all of that. Uh, Let us know anything we missed uh, about what what are some traits of a mature Christian, what it means to be growing in our faith. We've got an email address. You can refine us on social media. You can, if you're on Spotify, you can answer the question. I'll put a question just probably says, what do you think? Um, and that's only if you're on Spotify, you would be able to see that. But you can just answer it right there in the app, which is cool. But yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're really enjoying doing the podcast and 